everybody, welcome back to another Physiology Secrets. I just wanted to speak today a little bit about sprint interval training. So for those who are following the Mets Facebook page and the Mets Mastermind Facebook group, you would have noticed the other week I put up an infographic on a study which was testing a three kilometer time trial performance in ultra distance marathon runners who before and after they did a two week exercise intervention which involved training uh, three times a week doing uh, sprint interval training. So they did four to seven sets of 30 seconds maximal sprinting, so absolutely flat out 100% maximal sprinting with a four minute recovery. And the things that they were measuring, well obviously the time taken to complete the time trial, uh, they were measuring maximal aerobic speed which is basically uh, the same as VO2 max so maximal aerobic speed is the is the minimum pace you need to hold to be able to reach VO2 max all right so with in conjunction with that they also measured um, so it was maximal aerobic speed and they also measured mean power output during um, during the intervals there as well so basically they got these these trained or they, they called them trained ultra runners and they gave them this two-week intervention and what they found was that there was a six percent improvement in time trial performance a two percent improvement in maximal aerobic speed and a two percent improvement in mean power output and I had quite a lot of people uh, contact me about that and say oh you know, and sort of ask my opinion on it and and why we shouldn't include this sort of training more often than we do and before I answer the question I just wanted to go into a bit of detail about um, critically analyzing research okay so I, I think a lot of people and I completely understand I think a lot of people um, they see something that might be referenced from a, a study and they assume that that must be the case that must be fact there's a lot of good research out there and there's a lot of bad research as well I'm not I'm not saying this particular infographic was good or bad but what it didn't have was um, a link to the full text and a full background of the meth- methodology that they, that they used um, and all that sort of stuff. So all they all they said was, is that they were trained ultra marathon runners. We don't know if that they replaced a long session with this sprint interval training. We don't know if they did extra on top. So maybe they were already training four days a week and they ended up doing an extra three sessions of sprint interval training, which is you know obviously overloading the and stimulating the body that way. And we also don't know what they were doing prior to uh, the exercise intervention in the first place. So from my experience, a lot of ultra distance runners basically don't do any intensity whatsoever. Um, some do, but most probably don't. So if, if, if you take um, an ultra runner who's, who's just doing long, slow, continuous training, which is sport specific, and then get, get them to do some high intensity sprint interval training, you're almost 100% guaranteed to get a, a, an improvement in your aerobic power. Now remember, aerobic capacity is what ultra runners are good at. That's being able to use oxygen at low intensities for a long time. Aerobic power is what the the shorter distance events, one, two, three, five K runners are good at because it's the ability to use oxygen very quickly. Now, it's no surprise that they use the three K time trial as the benchmark because that's that's a measure of aerobic power, okay? So they've gone from basically, potentially, I don't know because I haven't seen the full study, I can't find the full study. They've potentially gone from just training their aerobic capacity to now training their aerobic power and of course, their, their 3K time trial performance is going to improve because, as I said, that's a, a measure of rope power and they've gone from not training it at all to now doing it three times a week for two weeks. I've seen an improvement of up to 17% in four weeks through um, just, just um, in my own sort of research there. And that was just from 
somebody who was sort of relatively untrained doing three times of high intensity uh, training a week. Another one was somebody who was well trained. They just did long, slow distance training. Their VO2 max went from 68 to 81 in four months. Okay, again, just through not magic, just through hey, you, you're training aerobic capacity. We need to, we need to train some aerobic power, so let's do some higher intensity intervals there. Um, so again, I'm not saying that study was good or bad. Uh, the the methodology behind sprint interval training is quite sound. Uh, I've read plenty of research um, in the that was developed in the late '90s, early 2000s, which had basically the exact same methodology that they were expressing there, and, and that was quite reliable research. All, all I'm sort of trying to get across here is that don't necessarily take everything you read, even if it is research, as, as gospel. Like there, there's good research and there's bad research, and there's a lot of unknowns. Um, in that particular infographic. Now, having said that, it is proven that that sort of stuff is very good. Whether you're going to get 6% improvement in, in two weeks, that's probably that's probably a bit unrealistic unless you're, again, as I said, not training aerobic power and then you go and start training it, then, then sure, you'll get some quick and significant benefit. But where you see the where you see the the best benefit, or when I train it, when I um, prescribe it in a program, is right sort of two to three weeks before you're aiming to peak for an event. Okay, so I don't like to do it too often. I definitely don't like to do it three times per week. And the reason I don't like it is one, it's not sport specific. You're doing thirty seconds of maximal activity followed by four minute recovery. <coughs> um, secondly, it's extremely stressful. Both immune system, neuromuscularly, uh, mentally and physically, oh, it just completely ruins you. Um, you're not su- super fatigued the next day because you're only doing sort of two and a half to four minutes of activity, but take it from me, like I, I did one, you know, you might recall the video that was put up on Facebook a, f- a few weeks ago of me doing it on the bike. I was absolutely spent. I got through four of them, had to lie down because I felt like I was going to vomit, did two more and then I couldn't do any more. That was it. Like that was the max I could do. Okay. So you really have to go absolutely 100% maximal and then have a, a, a four minute recovery. So it's really, really hard to do. Um, it's really strenuous. And there's a big injury risk, particularly with running. So if you have any mobility problems whatsoever, uh, if you have tight muscles, you have a little bit of tendonitis, whatever it is, doing this sort of training with you're going 30 seconds flat out is you know, probably going to quadruple your, your risk of getting injured. Okay, So um, they are good to do, but you do have to be very, very careful. I probably prescribe it in about 10 to 15% of the people that I have on programs. And the reason I only do it for them is because they're... Uh, you get the best benefit when you're absolutely maxed out, physiologically peaked, um, and you're not getting any benefit from doing your long, slow stuff through doing your VO2 max interval training. When you are at the absolute peak of your fitness, doing one to two of these a week for two to three weeks prior to uh, an A race, you know, you're likely to get an extra one, two, maybe 3% gain on top of what you could get um, just doing the other stuff. So the reason I only do it for 10 to 15% is because the other 80, 80, other 85, 90% of people are not at their physiological peak. They still respond to doing your easy stuff and your VO2 stuff. Um, so it's just an unnecessary risk to give them such a big stimulus. That being said, if you're time poor, then ha- have a crack at it. Um, just make sure that you are not... Uh, don't have any sort of movement dysfunctions or, or, or slight niggles because that will likely put it over the edge. Um, but basically, as a practical takeaway for for, uh, for today, sprint interval training involves going absolutely maximal sprints for 30 seconds with a four-minute walking recovery repeated for four to seven um, sets. 
It is applicable to peak your fitness, but it really should be left as peaking only. So you're looking at two to three weeks prior to a, a key event just to maximize your uh, physiological potential. But if you are still seeing performance improvements through lower intensity, when I say lower intensity, I'm still talking 95% of your max, of your VO2 max, but if you're still seeing benefit at the lower intensities, then I would prefer you keep doing that because it's an unnecessary risk. It's not sport specific, so I don't put it anywhere other than the peaking phase because you're never gonna do 30 seconds hard with a four minute walk in endurance sport. Um, and when you're looking at research, a lot of it is good, but remember that a lot of it is bad and, and, and you really need to deep uh, delve into the the methodology behind it just to make sure that what they're claiming is actually realistic. In this example, ultra runners probably don't do much high intensity stuff, so of course they're going to improve their aerobic power and their 3K time trial by putting in high intensity intervals. Hopefully that was useful, guys. Question for the day, have you ever tried sprint interval training? If you haven't, have a crack. Let me know how you feel. I feel ridiculously sick after them, but uh, it's always good fun. Speak again soon.